Hi, I'm Maria Stolger and welcome to episode 132 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. And I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording this podcast, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. I'd also like to mention before we start today that after six years of the podcast, I finally have a newsletter which I'll be sending out whenever there's a new episode, so roughly every three weeks or so, just keeping you updated on what's happening on the podcast and the YouTube channel, and I've put a link to that in the show notes, and it will also pop up if you go to the website. So please subscribe if you'd like me to keep you in the loop. And today I'm bringing you my conversation with an artist who has previously been on the podcast, Jackie Stockdale. Jackie's work crosses many disciplines which defy description, spanning from painting, her photographic works, and more recently collaged works, and her imagery includes portrayals of Ned Kelly, lots of masks, naked figures, and horses' heads. But Jackie has, in the last few months, returned her focus again to painting and more specifically portraiture painted from life. She's painted the portrait on and off throughout her career and in 2018 was one of only 20 artists to be commissioned by the National Portrait Gallery to mark its 20th year. A few months ago, though, Jackie was painting portraits of a different kind. The body of work Heads of the Family was created as friends and family held vigil over her stepfather, George Sterling, during the last weeks of his life. During that period, Jackie painted over 20 portraits of friends and relatives who came to visit George over that period. And in this interview, Jackie talks about that experience. We recorded this episode remotely. Jackie lives in Melbourne and all the works we talk about are on the website talkingwithpainters.com. I started by asking Jackie if she could tell me a bit about her stepfather, George Sterling. Yeah, sure. Um, and also it's it's a real honour to be speaking about this, so, so thanks a lot. Um, and, um, yeah, so George Sterling... Um, well, he was, uh, I had to check, but he was born in, in 1943 in Malden, so that's just out of Bendigo. Um, and he was brought up as a, as a sort of, you know, pretty much um, a country boy. He lost his father very early and his mother brought up him and another eight kids. So I, I learned wow. so much actually um, during his funeral because you had nearly two hours of eulogies. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, amazing stories. And also um, the stories that I got to hear, you know, while I was painting. But George, he was with my mum for 20 years. And I feel that my relationship with him was close, was closer than with my biological father, um, who I don't really see. So we were all blessed with this sort of second dad, if you like, who became a grandfather to, to our children. And Mum and George had this wonderful property in Bendigo and it was really designed to have fun in. It had lots of pathways where you could ride the um, golf buggy around to different areas of the property, like George's cactus garden and um, <laughs> and there's all these little areas and so kids love going there but I think so uh, he so sounds like a creative person yeah George was he worked on the tramways um if you if you go on those older trams in Melbourne 
Um, a lot of the woodwork would be from him, people, him or people like him. So he was a craftsman um, who also worked at the Discovery Centre in Bendigo. So he was quite an inventor. Mm-hmm. And just before the fires, the Black Saturday fires, he had about five enormous um, tin sheds just filled with stuff. He collected a lot of things and then they lost the uh, everything in that in that time um oh, in, in 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 you know 9 minutes or so they lost it all so oh, even though wow. you, the black saturday fires did affect um the outskirts of bendigo it was very unusual um so they oh, that must have been terrifying for them yeah that it was they had um the cops oh george nearly died because he wanted to save his elephant collection and he wouldn't leave. And oh. the, the cops surrounded the property and said, if you want to save your life, you better get the mm out of here. <laughs> oh, so it was that dangerous. Yes, yeah. So what, what, when you say his elephant collection, do you mean he carved elephants? Was that what he did? No, he just, he just collected all sorts of, you know, when you say that you like something and then the next thing people, for the next, you know, 30 years, people bring you stuff. So... He he was given and collected anything to do with elephants. Ah, oh, right. And, and, and he, he, I'm saying, I mean, he did that because we called him the elephant because he bombarded, like he sort of was pushed through everything, um, like knocking things over <laughs> as he went. Like mum, when she first started going out with him, she she I think he put he he's the trailer nipped the side of the um the petrol bowser and the petrol station <laughs> and she's she's always like George George watch where you're going you know she was always frightened of the way he drove but he he never um the, you know he, he did survive um in the car anyway but right so as far as art he the connection that that he, him and I had was um where I could say to him the, the most surreal thing, like George, can you? Um, I need I need a, a a Martini Henry rifle, three quarters of the normal size, because I'm making a sculpture where Ned Kelly's lover on horseback will be holding it. I need it monotone. I need it made out of timber, etc. Instructions. And um, sure enough, where's George? Um, and you know, hours or uh, half a day later. He would come back with this beautiful object, and have oh be very God. proud of yeah, and have you know made something quite extraordinary. How, oh, so so with woodwork basically with whatever like whatever he could find. Yeah, how amazing! And so, can you tell me a little bit about how this body of work came about, um, which started a couple of months ago? Yes, uh, well, I was having to travel so often to Bendigo we knew that George had not very long to live and he was he was in palliative care at home which was great because uh, you know he didn't have to go to the hospital and we were trying to keep him out of the hospital for as long as we could which we did in the end so I said to mum you know I need to bring my paints Um, I have to keep working and she was really happy about that so I just, um, then I thought, you know, I've got to make something of this. I was also thinking, I, I was finding it, I don't know if interesting is the word, but very, um, I don't know, very um, important time to, to, to document, if you like. So 
I decided to create a series based on, on the sort of transition from somebody's end of life and, and all the way through. So I thought I would just station myself at the home in the centre of the house. It's quite a big house, but there's this big living area and I would make portraits of the people who came to visit George before he died and during that time and after. So it is still a work in progress, but it, it was, it started out, um, I was painting George sitting, talking to his friends, and then I started asking, oh, and then I and then I was working with the visitors and some of the um, the medical staff and a funeral director. I haven't done his portrait yet, so that that's how it began. Mm. So I, I, yeah, and so, and so and it ended up like at this stage, it's twenty one portraits. Is that right? 21, yeah. And just to give people a sense of, you know, scale and that sort of thing, um, can you tell me, they're all the same size, aren't they? Yeah, and I think that's something else that spurred this whole project was the size. I had I had um, already had a lot of um, sort of small canvas boards. Well, they're, they're actually panels and they're about the size, say, A4, so they're not large, but they fitted perfectly on the back of my travelling easel. So did you come up with the idea after you were travelling to Bendigo for a period of time and then it sort of slowly dawned on you that that's what you'd like to do? Yeah, I just thought, I've got to paint. Um, What am I going to paint? Oh, and then going there and all these characters are coming through the door. So you're getting people, you know, a lot of them who I'd never met before, coming to visit George and then I also thought of my mother and her face and how it might change through the different stages like even you know from before and during and after so the I yeah I I got the idea and then and then I and then I'm thinking how am I gonna do this (laughs) (laughs) how did you set up how did you set up what what did it look like oh it was great so um I set up in in the middle of the house so as soon as you walk in there's a big atrium um, size style lounge living area and it's surrounded with floor floor to ceiling um, bookshelves Um, so I set up there people come in and I they would see like I had a number of portraits already set up so I'd painted his brothers because they they came up came down and few George and his friends and then so as soon as you walked in I I, I think you, you got a bit of an idea what was going on and it was the first thing okay they saw George but they were really drawn you know to this project so I would say to them would you um you know I'd love to do your portrait would would you would that be okay and it would mean that I would have to take a photograph i painting from life at that point was you know that I needed more time they wanted to you know sit with George so I had this idea to paint them while they were in the room (laughs) I was very busy (laughs) because I was also you know serving tea and cakes and in keeping the house tidy and doing all those things so um but I tended to be able to take a quick photograph on my phone they didn't have to dress up I just tried to get good light mm. took a picture and then I got to work and so 
they didn't see what I was doing, but sometimes they could sit and watch. Um, but they were in the room next door talking to George. Yeah, right. And did you do it from your phone or was it from a computer screen? I did it from the tiny little picture on the phone. Wow. And do you think there's a there's an advantage to doing that? Because I've seen a lot of people do that where they're working from their phone and I'm wondering whether that's actually an advantage to have it that size. It depends what your objective is. So I had a short amount of time. I gave myself an hour, usually took um, longer. I, I didn't want to have too much detail. So it, it can be, I, and I never wanted, never thought I would be working in this way. Um, but it was um, convenient. So, and also, also, if you do want to go, this is, I remember David Hockney saying this, um, with his iPad drawings, if you want to go into detail, you can on the phone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you, you can, can ex- bring yeah, you can the eye. Right, and then you have to try not to do, Sometimes I go and do that on the painting, you know, where you've got the fingers and you make it go larger. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like swipe. That's when you know you need, you need a rest. Yeah, exactly. And it was quite nerve-wracking too because, you know, you're dealing with other people and yeah. you really have to try to block that out well you know though it's interesting that you say that what you were doing is you were getting cups of tea and there were people around and there was activity going on and you had it on your phone and you were doing all that at the time because I wonder whether that actually helps often because you're working on a different plane a different level of consciousness when you're painting in that way do you find possibly possibly you don't get as sort of you know, obsessed with it and worried about it. Yeah, I also am quite good at, because um, I call it a performance. I think making a painting is a performance. And um, I am quite good at um, having people around, not getting um, too shy, like um, I'm okay with that. I can I can focus very well and talk to them at the same time. And then if it's too much, then I, I, I you know, I can, the beauty of the photograph is I can, I can work on it a bit later or say some of the details, which I was really starting to love, like, like say the old codgers, you know, they, if they were wearing, you know, gingham shirts and I, I'd, I'd work on the details a bit later. Yeah. So you didn't have any problem going back into it at a later point? It wasn't just all a la prima in one go? It was pretty much a la prima because um, unless something – if something's really wrong, often I I just had to paint over it. I find it hard to fiddle. I used to be able to fiddle, but my style's a little bit different now, so it's far more a la prima. Mm. Um, it's one false move and you're out with portraits. <laughs> it's it's very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> well, particularly, well, I wanted to talk a bit more about the painting technique that you use a bit later because I want to talk about some paintings in particular. But yes, it's very much, you know, you can see the brush stroke and, the, you know, one brush stroke is going to sort of represent like a highlighted area of the face or something. So it's very, very deliberate and requires a, a presence of mind when you're painting in that way. It really does, yeah. And how's that changed? So you said it's changed from your previous way of painting. How has that changed? It's just changed in that I used to be a, a bit more use more detail in my work um, with the paintings, and something sort of happened to me where 
I don't want to work like that anymore. But it's taken a while to transition. So um, I, I do all these things to make it hard for me. So you might even notice in the paintings, I mean, they're really rough backgrounds. And then I use quite big the brushes aren't too fiddly, so I don't, I don't want to fiddle. I don't enjoy that as much anymore. It's something like that. And I sort of, I suppose, I want to get to the essence of the work and have be more economical with the, the brush mark making, um, which is really hard, but, um, <clears throat> but we love to punish ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, did you find you're using different size brushes? I'm using, yeah, large crappy brushes. And I also um, was learning this technique. I I was, I fell in love with this alla prima technique, which means sort of working in one um, sitting and working wet on wet. Because I was teaching the technique at at VCA to all these students and the whole um, class was called alla prima. So I was having to give lots of examples and demonstrations. And then I, I went, this is fabulous. And I just want to be able to do this you know with my own work so that also contributed getting back to you know this process of people coming to the house and being painted did everybody agree to be painted did every was everybody enthusiastic about it did anyone say no yeah um george's daughter said no <laughs> she's the only person um i've asked her a few times i still i'm not going to give up on her but most people Most people said yes. The funny thing is that I heard George, um, so this is probably, you know, two weeks before he died, ringing people up saying, oh, you got to come. People he hadn't, there was a few he hadn't seen for over 40 years. He rang them up and he said, oh, you got to come and see what Jackie's doing. You got to come and have your portrait painted. And then he started getting really bossy. He wanted this person, this person, this person, this person. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So in other words, these people, pro- he probably would never have seen them if you hadn't been doing that? I don't think so. He was ringing so many pe- people up and saying, I don't have long to live, um, come over. Mm. And who? I, I thought, who gets that? Not yeah. many people. No, exactly. It, it became this like even coming to the house it became this ceremony or this you know it became like the the funeral or the wake before it happened it's very very special well I saw you wrote on Instagram that it was like a ritual in a way and it's so that when I saw you write that because ritual is something that's you know is a present in a lot of your work but Funnily enough, when you think about ritual, you think about something spiritual or something religious, you know, and to think that somehow painting can perform some sort of ritual was so exciting to me. And I, I thought to myself, that is a gift that you can give somebody in a way. Oh, it's it's so pure. It really, and, and also if you look at the portraits, like, oh, another thing that I said, they said, what do you want me to do? when I pose and I said um just think of George and then I go click so I didn't you know sometimes it's they become people are too earnest but and then they they're self-conscious when they pose for you and um so there was that there was that like you know thinking of of him and being a part uh, being a part of this I think 
it meant something to people. It showed me, it showed me how much the paintings did mean to people. And I haven't experienced that before to this level in my, with my work. Well, I suppose because in the past, if you've painted somebody, well, generally speaking, when a painter paints somebody, it's not usually connected to an event necessarily. That's right. So to have a purpose behind it in a way adds a, another level to the work, I think. And 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 also, like, I, I needed that inspiration in a way because it was a huge thing for me to do, to actually, you know, dedicate myself to this. So I was... I, I, I was so inspired by, you know, people's appreciation of it. Yeah. To keep going. And and also, I suppose, also having this sort of quick succession in a way of people because that's that doesn't usually happen either, you know, for an artist, to have this turnover. Yeah, oh, that's it. I mean, I just can't – if people are modelling for me, I, I do go, yeah, I can't say no also. Um, and, and the other thing I was going to say is that – also, I didn't know what I was going to do and I still, you know, to a degree, what what, what am I going to do with this? you just sort of so in the th- – the decision's made so spontaneously and then you're in the throes of it and you really have to see it through and hope for the best. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it too is that you weren't painting for a show. It was it's such a private and intimate thing to do. Did you find actually that you felt – some sort of connection with that person as well? Oh, absolutely. Oh, you do. Painting somebody, uh, you're looking at them like you, it's, you're staring at them. You're also listening to them. You know, you do connect. I, I've connected with all of the subjects. I, I really have. Like I, I don't know how I could in any other way to that degree. All the next-door neighbour, like the next-door neighbours, Rick's um, bro- two brothers, that was really wonderful. His sisters, these old codgers who are so fabulous. You think they're quite ordinary and then you're listening to the stories. You're listening to also a generation that lives so differently, that had such true outdoor adventures and they're so poor and just I loved listening to the things that they used and the naughty things that they all got up to. <laughs> Yeah. Well, actually, that brings me to actually you talking, mentioning his brothers. One of my favourite portraits that you did was of George's brother, Rick Sterling. And I think this is one of one of my favourites for a number of reasons, but particularly the expression on his face. It's quite an intense uh, work. He's looking straight at the viewer with the, with a I think you've captured this heightened sense of emotion, and now that, that you say that you that you asked the view uh, the sitter to to think of George, I can see that in his expression as well. But particularly the eyes, they're very wide open, and you've actually made them two different colours. I don't know if they if they actually are different colours, but anyway, that, that sort of adds to that sort of intensity for me. I just think. There, it's a fantastic expression. His hair is slightly dishevelled and his head is slightly off-centre too, which is adding to the emotion as well. Can you tell, was that one of the first ones you did? Or can you tell me a bit about that one? Yeah, I think that um, that was one of the first. And um, I, I was sort of working so quickly. Like if you see, you see, notice that the glasses, they're, they're not even, like it's not, it's not all even, but there was something about that where I think I was lucky to really get 
uh, Rick's spirit. Um, and I, I, I can't always guarantee that. Um, some that was that was a beauty, and yeah. then I was I think, um, you know, and, and then I decided to go down a little bit in scale with because that's a cl- sort of close up of the head, but yeah, that that's a beauty, and and yeah, it is. I hope um, I can do more like that. <laughs> Another one you were talking about painting your mum as well, and I think mm. I saw on Instagram you were, you were sort of saying. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That it was that was going to be a difficult one, or that there was some. It was difficult to to get around to painting your mum. Was did you say something like that at some point? I could have because it's true. One um, mum doesn't like to sit still, um, and also, you know, I had to. Yeah, I had to bring her into the into this. Um, I don't know why was it hard because. Um, I just, I suppose I wanted to get it right. And, um, and I, I, I feel with that portrait, I did. Um, I, I just did there's something in that. And I, so I, I also have to do one soon of her because, you know, I, I didn't want to just do the pre. I wanted to do one after as well, after George died too. Are you planning to do many of, of people after or is it mainly just at least it just a select few that you're going to do I've got some I've got a backlog of work I've got like my sister I and my brother I um they did they just didn't work so I I need to do those Mm. um I need to yeah there's a few from previous um, that I need to do so catch up on and then there's probably I think I've probably got about 10 more in me and then I'll close it and I, then I'm going to hang it and see, see what it looks like as a series. And then the next step after that is I want to frame them um, with the help of my, other, my brother who is a fabulous designer. He lives in Nashville. And so he's going to help me create these frames that um, are along the lines of the Mexican Day of the Dead paper cuts um so I'm doing something like that and so I can then you know have them as a series of work oh that sounds amazing it's going to be amazing seeing them all together like that you know it's interesting that you say you found it hard initially to paint your brother and sister and your your mother as well and that because I think there is something about the fact that those closest to you are the most difficult to paint I remember talking about this with Jude Ray as well. It's just quite hard to sort of see that person objectively, I think, you know? It could. Well, it, it is, uh, yeah, it does make sense. Um, and also I'm, I'm reluctant. I'm still working at the painting of my son. Um, yeah, so there you go. They are yeah. all the sort of closest people to me. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Well, and also I wonder whether you sort of want to please them as well. Do you know what I mean? Because there's always that element. I'm really trying not to. That's that's a big one. Like you, you can't, you just ruin it when you become self-conscious. Yeah. Do, about show, you know, I often ask artists about showing their work to the sitter, like how they feel about that. Do you ever feel nervous about that yeah I do yeah if I'm really really happy with it um I don't but um yeah I do feel a bit nervous 
It's always it's always a bit of a worry when they don't say anything. <laughs> no, no. The biggest worry is when they say, who's that? Yeah, yeah, that would be slightly disappointing, I've got to say. Um, now, you know what? Okay, so I also want to talk about two more portraits. One of them is your self-portrait of you painting yourself. And, and it's got in the background eight of the portraits which you'd previously done, they make up the whole background of the painting. Of course, very loosely painted, so, you know, it's just a suggestion of them. And you were saying about that painting on Instagram, you said you had more joy painting the paintings behind you. (laughs) How did you feel about that painting? That was another really fresh work too, I found, that was certainly not over, it wasn't laboured or anything. It was beautiful. It's really beautiful work. Oh, yeah, okay. I was going to pull you, that off Instagram. That's good you like it. I think um, you're wearing your glasses. You're saying it's hard to paint with your glasses and without your glasses. It's not hard, it's hell. Um, <laughs> Why? So, um, well, it's just another level of difficulty because you have to make them look like they're not flat on your face. It's just I'd rather not, but but I have to, so... So I am. <laughs> anyway, so that one, yeah, that was a freshie. I love painting the background because, yeah, I wasn't probably self-conscious. I, it's hard doing yourself. It's just, it just is. It doesn't mean I stop. Uh, in fact, I'm going 10 times further into it. But um, that was a little, yeah, that was a little study. Yeah, so I, I'm trying to be brave bit by bit because I am trying to get to the point where I'm, I'm painting more and more self-portraits, so I, I better get I better get onto it. Yeah. Well, if pe- people might wonder what if they haven't heard our previous interview, you know, when you say you want to paint more, it's because you it's not as if you haven't been doing a lot of work, but you don't haven't been only doing painting. You also do um, collage and photography, and you just do amazing. You've had amazing shows the last few years. Um, but talking about painting. And self-portraits uh, reminds me of that self-portrait that got into the Porsche Geach quite a few years ago that you did called, um, the, I think, the Red Slippers. Yes. Called. Now, that was, that's an interesting contrast to what your, these, these smaller, more sort of immediate works because that was a very, um, yeah, very lifelike work. It was, I think it was um, uh, to scale. Like it was, that was a life-size work, wasn't it? And I think that was when you were when you were living in Newtown in more in the sort of like the the early days. Ah, oh, that was fabulous. I was a stickler for tradition, you see. I but I thought that I would become um, a master painter who never would dare to use a photograph. And I did spend the first ten to fifteen years doing that, um, working from life. Um, from my friend with friends who would sit for me in all sorts of costumes and and whatnot um, but that one was made all from life it's life size and I had a very big easel which I had to um, be able to hold up the canvas because you're also going up and down you're putting it up and down all the time so you do the feet and then you but you're standing there you stand you have to wear the same outfit every time <laughs> you have to be in the same pose and um, that's what happens when you do a self-portrait from life. Um, you have to be right in the same position, but then you've got, but you've, that was a three-quarter angle, so then you've got to look and then turn and turn, 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 turn. I know, so, it's unbelievable. And also you've got to, be, yeah, as you say, you've got to get yourself in exactly the same position each time you look. 
if it wasn't me, I'd say, I don't know how she did it, you know. <laughs> uh, and it's funny. It's like a dream. I actually don't. Um, yeah. But I'm. I, but th- this is the thing. I'm. I think. I feel like I'm. I'm turning in and going down that path again, and that's what the, the path of making self, uh, making portraits from life, which is what this whole project has led me to. It's like it's like like the bookends of my life, of my of my art life. The last work I want to talk about isn't a painting. It's actually two drawings um, that you did of George and mm. you did paintings of George as well but this uh, there was actually a page uh, two of two pencil drawings and they're of George's uh, head laying on his pillow as he was sleeping and they're absolutely beautiful tender drawings and you know as many many artists would have seen this you know where there's a page where an artist is trying to work something out and they've done the same pose a few times on the one page it's always interesting seeing an artist doing that and I loved seeing those drawings how did George feel about the works that you did of him well those drawings they were drawn because I couldn't paint because George was in hospital. So he he ended up being in hospital for 12 hours until he died. And that those drawings were made during the last hour of his life. Mm. So they were made while he was lying. Yeah, he was, um, he had all of us around and we were just waiting for him to go into the next world. So, yeah, that very intimate, those, those drawings. Yeah. Well, it must have been a, a very special thing for you to be able to do that in those moments. And I, I wonder whether that was quite reassuring for others around you as well at that time. I think other people just get used to me being around, but I, I mean, and drawing, I, I was also aware, like you just can't always be there. You have to give people space. So I, w- I would only come in when I thought you know, it was the right time. And it actually felt very similar to something else I've done, but the opposite. I, was, I spent 24 hours with a friend of mine who was giving birth and I could not but you become a fly on the wall and you can't, you don't want to interrupt, but you're there in the most precious moments record, recording something amazing. So, yeah, that, so I was, I was, I was in the background, if you like. Wow, that's an amazing experience to be in that moment, but also to be observing that moment so carefully an incredible privilege in a way, isn't it? It is a privilege. Did you find that as a result of that process in any way you feel different about death and, and dying? I think so. I feel, I feel like the paintings sort of shine a light, like the whole – I think I was very pre- prepared I also was privy to conversations that you probably wouldn't normally hear and because I spent so much time there and people were talking, you just, I was listening to lots of conversations and what I found interesting was when somebody knows they're going to die, 
they they're inquisitive so often like George would and also it's a culture where we don't really talk about it too much but we don't know and well in our in my culture perhaps so people would people would come to visit and George would ask what what is it going to feel like you know Mm. um Mm. just those sorts of things and then other people who have lost say their wife what did what was it like so those things so can you tell me what is in the future for for this work I think you were you were hinting at another project that might be coming down the track can you tell me a bit about that can you reveal anything about that at this stage yeah um as much as I can reveal to myself I suppose so (laughs) um so firstly for this I'm hoping with this project I think I think like this series if you like I think it'd be wonderful to um perhaps enter it into the Blake Prize um, so that's something I'm thinking of. Mm. Um, other than that, I'm I'm not sure. I don't want to separate the work at all. So I just think I'll just see what happens with that. But what I'm hoping to do beyond this, and I've got lots of can uh, the boards already all around my studio ready to go. What what I'm what I'm aiming to do is to is to continue the portrait painting, but I really want to create a space in my studio where I invite. Um, people to come and sit for me and and I've had some wonderful um, offers already but also I can go and collect portraits I feel like a doctor so I've got my little kit and I can also turn up to people and sit with them um, and collect their portrait and then I'll be exhibiting um, the work I'd like to make a, a large number of portraits to show as a solo exhibition uh, at Olsen Gallery last uh, next year, next year, <laughs> or possibly the year after. I, I ask them if it's okay if just to let's see how I go because I want to, you know, do they make wonderful portraits? But it's going to take me a little bit of time to get really, really good at working from life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that, and so I'm practicing on myself, <laughs> and. Yeah, so well, I that's... suppose one of the challenges with with painting from life is getting used to the fact that they're not going to be totally still the whole time. There's that, and also you don't um, you don't know if they're going to work, and you can't. What do you do then? So, so you want to get. I'm. I can. I am quite. I have been good at it. I have been better. So I, I want to get better, like I was in the past. Yeah. Yeah, I've got so many, so many ideas um, that would make fabulous, um, you know, groupings of of portraits. So um, what what keeps me going, I think, is that I just want to do them all. So I think, well, I better get down to it. So um, and and what I'm doing now is is to paint sort of through that is using myself because I know how to sit still. I'm trying to make a really a good port, a good self a good selfie. That's that's what I want to be doing. I, I can you know enter that into some prizes. But if I can come, up, I've made some really nice selfies in the past. But um, that's my aim because I've been making. I, that, that's why I made one the other day. I thought it was good, and then a friend came in and said, "Who's that?" <laughs> so that's why I said that before. Yeah. Right. 
Do you use a large mirror or like what do you use when you're doing that? I use a mirror on a, t- a table, a very old-fashioned table mirror that you can tilt, so it's, it's on the stand. But I've also, I'm using two mirrors as well. So I'm going to be creating a profile, three-quarter, um, like a profile portrait using two mirrors. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's a really good Do you understand? So yeah. you can get the, the profile. Yeah, because that's more interesting. Well, it's not more interesting actually, but it's, it's a different... Yeah, it's it, rather than just having the the straight on the straight on. No, actually, the truth is that that means I I, I can paint less of my glasses. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because yeah, have you ever tried contact lenses? Ah, <laughs> oh, good idea. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Well, it'd be interesting to see a series of yourself portraits. Actually, oh oh, there's this fabulous show on. Um, of Lucien Freud, and it's called the Self Portraits Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. And I've had a look; it's all the whole history of his self portraits. And so I feel like there's two paint, there's two portraits in this world that I'd love to pay homage to. Yeah. And one is called Painter Working Reflection, 1993 of Lucien Freud, which is his naked one of him with his slippers in his studio. And they're both naked. And the other one is of, of, of Alice Neal when she's around 18. She's sitting in a chair. And um, I'm thinking maybe I'll do <laughs> then I don't have to yeah. do so much of the face anyway I've got lots of ideas for self-portraits so oh that's so, a great you, idea you get a bit cold you just have to have good heating that's all I know I know I was actually thinking of doing it tonight it will be tiny it would be very it would be the same size so it'd be very small yeah right. I can always see how it goes I'll have to have a look at those paintings I can't remember them offhand actually so the, the Lucian Freud would be one of his early ones, so it's not... He looks a bit middle-aged. Um, he, so, and he's, he's wearing these painting slippers. Like, he doesn't look really, really old. He's holding, he's holding a palette. And I just love the way that it's called painter working too because I think that I'm often always, you know, I'm working. Like, I, I met my, my nephew the other day. He, I picked him up from the airport. He's beautiful. He's about 21. He's going to be a great painter. No, he's 18. And and he must have thought I was strange because I just stare at him and I and I just thought you you you're a you, you I actually said, "Hi, how are you going, Jimmy? Do, would you model for me?" So I just see I, I start to see everyone as a portrait. <laughs> well, that's right. I think when you paint a lot of portraits and you do it a lot, when you're looking at people and talking to them, all you're just doing is looking at the shape of their eyes and looking at the distance between their nose and their mouth. and like it's, Exactly. They just become this sort of, you know. They're just my subject. Yeah, no, that's so interesting. Oh, Jackie, I just love talking to you about all of this and I just I, I love this recent series of work and it's so authentic and it's so real and it's so from the heart and that's what I feel about you, that you're such an authentic artist. So oh, thank you. Thank you so much for coming back onto the podcast and I can't wait to see what comes of, of this future work. Well, wonderful to chat with you, Maria, as usual. Thanks a lot. What a great artist. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jackie Stockdale. And as I'm recording this, Jackie is in the middle of an 11-day naked portrait project called Nudes of Chong, where she's producing 30 oil paintings in the shop window of Melbourne's Rose Chong Costumia. 
While the models are hidden from the public's view, observers can see Jackie in the window of the shop painting the sitter. The last day of the project is this Saturday, the 24th of September, 2022, so it'll be worth getting there if you can. Jackie has another solo show coming up at Benalla Art Gallery in November, which is called The Outlaws Inn, which includes painting, installation and performance. You can connect with me and Talking With Painters on social media, on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And of course, you can also subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel for free. And there are over 160 videos on the YouTube channel, mostly of artists on the podcast. Thanks for listening and I hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking with Painters.